G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. A conversation today about how we might relate to our Muslim neighbours, sharing the gospel with those from different cultures and different belief systems can sometimes seem futile, especially when it comes to reaching out to Muslims. The gap between Christianity and Islam is a vast gap and bridging cross-cultural values can seem sometimes to be impossible. Stefano Fair is president of Call of Hope and has been ministering to Muslims for more than 20 years. He's written a book. It's a new book. It's called God of the Impossible, Stories of Hope from the Muslim World. Stefano Fair is joining us from Germany. Stefano, welcome along to 2020. Thank you so much, Neil. I'm very happy to be with you today. Stefano, you have literally travelled the world. You've been to urban and rural areas, Middle East, Africa, India, Southeast Asia. Are Muslims the same everywhere or do they have their own cultural differences from nation to nation? Oh, people are different, right? I mean, they are different all over the world. So certainly Muslims will also be different. There is, of course, the same Islam, the same Quran, the same sayings of Muhammad behind. But then, as you say, there are cultural differences. And these cultural differences then also influence the lift Islam, the reality on the ground which we see. So, yeah, it is really very different wherever you go. And when you are reaching out to Muslim people in different cultures, uh, in different nations, uh, you're not just talking to people about an intellectual gospel. There's a supernatural element to all of this, and undoubtedly this is part of what happens with some of the amazing testimonies that you hear from the Muslim world. Well, absolutely true. And you see, as we say, people are different Then we are saying one thing is never different. Uh, One thing does not change. And this is the word of God. I mean, the Bible doesn't change. And it is fitting everywhere, in every culture, in every country. And of course, the reason is, as you say, it's supernatural. It's the Holy Spirit behind we, we cannot do anything, you know. If we think we go and we can persuade Muslims, we can just forget it. We cannot, but the Lord can and the Holy Spirit can and he can use his word. We should never underestimate the power of the word of God. So when you turn up in somewhere like a Middle Eastern nation or in Africa or India or Southeast Asia, and here you are, Stefano, a German Uh, Is it an easy thing for Germans uh, to come in and talk about different cultural and religious issues and share the gospel of Jesus Christ? No, it's absolutely not. And this is the reason why we as Call of Hope strictly work 
with nationals. We work with indigenous people from these countries, most of them from Muslim background. Many came to the Lord also through our ministry. We sent them uh, to Bible schools, whatever, and now they serve their own people. I'm only going there to encourage, to help, to serve, to, to be with them. But the work is actually really done by the nationals. And I believe that especially in the world of Islam, this is very, very important that the work is actually done by people who really know what these people they are talking to are going through. When, when they explain to, to them about the gospel, they know about the feelings these Muslims now have and the doubts because they also had it. And of course, certainly they know the language, they know the culture. We are just there to help them, to serve along them, uh, to, to encourage them and to equip. And when we hear stories of, uh, at times, the enormous growth of Christian churches, particularly in places like the Middle East, are those sorts of stories true? Are churches, and even though they might sometimes be underground churches, hidden churches, are they growing? Are they flourishing? Well, we need to be aware here that sometimes we hear stories which might be a little bit exaggerated. It, it, it can happen, uh, truly speaking. Sometimes uh, when I hear things about Iran, for example, I calculate the numbers and I feel, okay, if you calculate the numbers together now, um, then at the end there are no Muslims again in this country. So, uh, we, we need to be clear here and to be very frank, uh, it is hard, it is hard work to reach out to Muslims, but on the other hand, you are very right. Muslims come to faith in our Lord Jesus Christ and maybe at the moment more than ever. And you are also right, uh, it depends on the country. Sometimes these are underground churches. That's the only possibility they can actually exist. Let's think about Morocco or um, Iran or, or certainly all uh, the Arab Peninsula countries. But then on the other hand, there are countries like, uh, let's say, Lebanon, where it is difficult and dangerous for a Muslim to become a Christian and go to church, but it's possible. I mean, in, in Lebanon, we have a, a church um, where every week two to three hundred former Muslims come together. It is possible. It is not without danger, but the Lord is making that possible. I've heard that when you have an influx of converts from Islam into the Christian church, oftentimes the Christians get a little uneasy about that because they are concerned about their own security. Is that the sort of thing that can tend to happen when there is a, a growth in the number of Muslims converting to Christianity? Well, this is happening. You, you are very right. Uh, especially in countries where you have an existing minority church. Um, these minority churches very often do have rights in these countries, but they 
only have these rights in a Muslim country as long as they do not reach out to Muslims. Means as long as they exist inside the walls of their own church, this is okay. But the moment they are reaching out, the government or the people around them will be uneasy and will not allow that to happen. And these churches then might lose their good rights they are having. And they also are a threat to come into persecution then. So you, you are very right, very often, uh, these minority churches even do not welcome Muslim converts. Uh, in many countries, it is the case that um, you, we do have something like uh, Muslim converts fellowships, where we have these converts coming together because it is difficult for churches actually to welcome them. But this is also something Call of Hope tries to do, to create awareness in these countries, to talk to Christians, to let them understand that the Lord has given them also a duty and a task to reach out to their own people around them. And oftentimes, no doubt, when there is significant persecution in countries that are governed often by Islamist uh, dictatorships, that there needs to be secret believers. And so I imagine that what happens is not happening in a church the way we might think about that in a Western nation, but happening in home churches and secret gatherings. Absolutely true. Uh, but then on the other hand, I'm always amazed to see how open very often, even in such countries, Christians are. I mean, you're right. They do meet in um, underground churches, in gatherings, in, in house groups, in home groups, for sure. But, but still, you know, um, for example, in Sudan, until two years ago, when uh, the dictator Omar al-Bashir was still there, there was really hard persecution on Christians. And I was always amazed how our um, brothers and sisters were going out and went on the road and they gave out gospels and tracts. Um, well, they, they were then actually hardly beaten, thrown to prison, and still they were doing it. So. Sometimes it's really amazing to me what kind of courage the Lord is giving to these people. I mean, I'm aware this is not coming out of them. This is the Holy Spirit working in and through them. And what does that say, Stefano, about the way that we sometimes lack courage in Western nations uh, when we compare ourselves to what happens to converts to Christianity in places where it is very, very dangerous? Well, that's a good question, Neil. I ask this question sometimes myself. And uh, I'm sometimes aware, you know, I, I remember I was once in Pakistan and I had no idea what I was there to do. I just thought, as I said, I'm there alongside to encourage whatever. Um, then I'm driving through a city and I see advertisements tonight, Christian evangelization with a speaker from Germany. And I was so naive that I asked our coworker and said, oh, wow, wonderful. You have an evangelist from Germany? And this guy looks at me and says, yeah, sure, you. <laughs> and, you know, I, I was standing there on this stage. I will never forget that. And 
I really didn't know what to do. I mean, 2,000 people in a, in a closed road in Pakistan, I mean, more than 90% Muslims. And that's the moment where you really feel um, it, it, it's hard to do that. And uh, I mean, there were two guards with me with loaded guns. But frankly speaking, uh, only when I flew out with the plane, I thought about, hey, what have you done? You know, um, it, the, the Lord gives you this courage in this moment. But then sometimes I feel when I'm here again, ah, yeah, even small problems come along and make us uneasy. Maybe sometimes I feel because of our security, because of all uh, the wealth we are having, we forget to give everything to the Lord and we do not understand how much we rely on the Lord. And this makes us then very, very easily afraid I sometimes feel with our people outside there in the Islamic world that they understand every second of their life how much they rely on the Lord. And this helps them to really give everything to the Lord, to, to cast every burden on the Lord, and then to have this courage. And I sometimes pray that the Lord is giving this courage, this fire, more into our hearts here in the West. Stefano, your book is called God of the Impossible, Stories of Hope from the Muslim World. Do you focus on individual stories of ways that people have converted to Christian faith from Islam? Or are your stories about what's happening in whole communities and whole nations? No, in this case, we focus on stories of certain people, 10 stories of people I know, many of them I have worked with since a long time, good friends of mine from Muslim background, because I believe it is important to see how the Lord is able to work on the hearts of Muslims. You know, Neil, sometimes we feel, oh, Islam is so bad, and we look into the news and we hear about terrorism, and we sometimes get the feeling it is impossible for the Lord to really change Muslims to change their hearts. So I felt it is important to show how the Lord is able to do that with individuals. And uh, then with every story, we also give some tips, some hints, how we can reach out to Muslims, some um, background information about Islam. And we'll talk about some of those things as our conversation continues. Stefano Fair is our guest. We're speaking today from Germany. Stefano's book is called God of the Impossible, Stories of Hope from the Muslim World. He's co-author of the book alongside Samuel Naiman, who is in the U.S. The book's published by Moody Publishers, and we'll continue our conversation just ahead. We're spending a little time on the line from Germany with a special guest, Stefano Fair. He is the president of 
Call of Hope and has been ministering to Muslims for more than 20 years. He has a new book. It's called God of the Impossible, Stories of Hope from the Muslim World. Stefano, if we're picking up on one or two of the stories in your book, which ones are outstanding to you? Maybe the one from Turkey, uh, brother Ishak. Um, This is a good friend of mine, and uh, I'm always astounded to see how the Lord actually uses his word to draw people close to him. So does the encounter happen in a divinely appointed way, or is it happening in relational conversations? Well, in this case, I would say it was really the Lord using radio. I Neil, it's great we are on radio now, so I think uh, it's wonderful to hear how the Lord uses radio. Maybe I can just tell a little bit uh, about that story. Isaac, he uh, was grown up in Turkey. Um, interestingly, he was not a very devout Muslim, but there were reasons that he started to study Islamic theology. He became even the Imam in a little mosque. And at some time he was sent to Baghdad, Iraq, to pursue his studies. But when he came back from Iraq, he somehow lost his faith in Islam. He he was an Imam and outwardly, of course, the people thought he's a very devout Muslim and he was preaching in mosque and he was condemning all the Christians, all the Jews. He was preaching against eating pork, against drinking wine, against watching Hollywood movies. But he told me when he was at home, He was, of course, drinking wine and he was trying pork and he was watching all the movies from Hollywood, no no doubt about it. But from outside, everybody thought he's a great devout Muslim. One day he went to his Iraqi friend's home that was in the 80s when there was the war between Iran and Iraq and they wanted to listen to war news over the radio at that time, the only possibility, and they looked for an Arabic broadcaster. And at that time, it was raining. It was not possible to hear a good radio station. And they just heard one Arabic radio station. And it was a very strange voice. So they listened and they heard about Jesus talking to an adulterous woman. And that was interesting to them. And Then they heard when Jesus said, okay, I will now give you the words of the law in Arabic Sharia. And they they were sure that they are going to hear now, yes, that this adulterous woman needs to be killed. And then they hear Jesus say, let any one of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And Isaac told me it was this one Bible first. And this changed his world. He said it was like somebody was putting down the mask from his face. He understood that, he he thought, everybody now knows how bad I am. Outwardly, I would have been the first one to throw the stone, but 
I'm not better than this adulterous woman. And, and he was totally confused. He went out of that home confused and he didn't know what to do. He looked for a Bible everywhere. He didn't find a Bible. So he then recognized, okay, the best is I just write to this radio station at that time, TWR Monte Carlo. And he asked them and said, uh, could you please send me a Bible? And they sent him a Gospel of John and some booklets from Call of Hope. And at that time, it was one month. He had vacation for one month. And he told me he read the Gospel of John for 30 times. And when he read the last chapter, the 30th time, he knelt down and gave his life to Christ. You see, he never talked to a Christian. He never saw a missionary. It was one verse of the word of God. And then the Gospel of John and the Lord himself persuaded him to give his life to Christ. Yeah, sure. Then later he read the booklet. Um, many of his doubts and questions were answered. He came in contact with Call of Hope. Now, since more than 30 years, he actually works with us. Wonderful. But it was the Lord using his word to persuade him. And this is why I said earlier, and I always say that we should never under underestimate the power of the word of God. It's very confronting, isn't it, when there is a cultural conditioning which is against Christianity and when people are exposed to the authenticity of the stories of Jesus in the Bible, then that's a miraculous thing that can happen. But it's a challenging thing, isn't it, the, the cultural conditioning of people in Muslim lands? Well, absolutely, you're right. But then, you know, when I teach and when I give seminars in the world of Islam, I always tell them, yeah, you're right, it is confronting. And there are many Muslims who will not be ready to read the Bible and who are not interested to read the gospel and who do not believe that this is the truth for sure. But then I always tell the people, well, how was it with the first Christians? Was Paul welcomed everywhere? Did everybody love his message? Of course, we know the answer, no. So it, it was not different with the first church than it is today. The gospel was always confronting and there were always people who were not accepting it as the truth. But we know that the Lord is giving it to some, to many, he gives the gift that they are able to understand his word and that they are able to accept it as the truth. And this is absolutely what we are experiencing also today in the word of Islam. Yes, there are many Muslims who will not accept it. There are many Muslims who even react with persecutions, but then there are others. For them, the word of God is the word of salvation. And I think this is the reason why we need to be ready to, yeah, let's say, to give out this confronting word of God. A need for boldness, a need to have courage. And as you're saying here, Stefano, making the gospel accessible to Muslims because we could try and do the work that God is 
doing, but he's the one who's building his church. He's the one who's convicting hearts. I imagine that the work of the Christian is simply making the gospel accessible. Absolutely. That's it. And it is not as hard as we sometimes think. You might have a Muslim around you wherever you live, maybe at your working uh, space or maybe as a neighbor. And then Christmas is coming. Every Muslim knows that at Christmas, Christians are giving gifts. So why not go and give a little gift, chocolate or cookies or whatever, uh, to a Muslim alongside with, for example, a Christian calendar with Bible verses. And in my experience, most Muslims would gladly accept that. Um, and then they have the word of God. Sometimes I even see the calendar hanging there. Even if, if Muslims come and visit, they see these Bible verses. And then, as we said, let the Lord do his work through his word. So there are so many possibilities, or we give somebody a Bible, or we give him a booklet, or we just share our own thoughts. You know, we very often when we talk to a Muslim in our working place or at home, we will talk about uh, everyday life. But we as Christians, our life is influenced by God, by our relationship with Jesus. So we can easily just talk about our life. I would usually, uh, in such a case, never confront a Muslim and tell him, oh, what you believe here is wrong. Why should I do that? I just tell him what I believe, what my relationship with Jesus is about. I make it possible that he can read a Bible or whatever. Of course, I don't know if he does, but as we say, we can make it accessible. And then it is the Lord's work to make it possible that it is read and understood. Are Muslims in most of those lands we were talking about, and perhaps everywhere, including in our backyard here in Australia, do you think they are expecting some form of confrontation or argument from Christians about faith? And is that gift-giving a very disarming way because it's more about forming a friendship? How do you approach the idea of the relationship that you might be forming with someone when you want to share the gospel with them? Well, I'm not sure if they expect a confrontation, but what a Muslim usually expects, especially when he comes newly into a Western country, he expects that somebody talks about his faith. For, for a Muslim, it is very weird that we as Westerners um, see our religion just as a private matter we are not talking about. It is very normal to them that we share about our thoughts and, of course, also about our religious thoughts. So it is very weird for a Muslim that nobody would talk to them anyway, and this is very often happening, and that somebody is not talking also about his religious beliefs. So they, they are open to hear that. Of course, now if somebody lives longer in Australia, they might even be trained for confrontation. That also happens and uh, they know how to react on arguments and 
such things. So I feel it is the best to form a relationship to somebody. Maybe I meet him two, three, four, five times and I do not talk about my faith. Well, that also may happen with other Christians. So that's very normal. That's okay. But then it comes to the point where I as a Christian will also talk about my relationship with Jesus. And this is part of the natural relationship I have with somebody. And uh, as you say, yeah, it is a disarming way. Why not going and give somebody a plate of chocolate cookies or whatever? Um, people will be happy and they understand that you respect them and that you love them. You know, in our work as Call of Hope in the world of Islam, we see that this point when a Muslim understands, hey, these Christians, they really love me. Not, not, not only an, an shown love, but a real love. When they understand that, then they open their hearts. And, and they understand it when we help them. You know, when a refugee from Syria comes to Lebanon, and a Christian whom they persecuted in the past comes now and helps them as a refugee, gives them food, gives them uh, an oven to uh, get heat in their tents, gives them a mattress. They ask, why are you doing this? You should hate us, but you love us. And that's the point where you talk about and say, yeah, many of our um People there, they come from Catholic background or so. For example, Pastor Tuma, our leader there, he comes from a Catholic background. And he always tells them and says, yeah, you Muslims, you did actually kill my grandmother, my brother, my uncle, and I hated you. But then I understood that Jesus loves me and my life got changed. And then I understood that I also have to love you because Jesus loves you as Muslims. And this is why I help you. And this changes everything. When they understand, hey, these Christians love us. And then they open up. And I think that's the same with us. We just need to show them the real distinct love of Christ. And not in an accidental way, but in a determined way is what I can hear you say when you say build a relationship and have numerous meetings, perhaps before you even broach issues of faith. But your book is called God of the Impossible Stories of Hope from the Muslim World. This idea of storytelling or having a story that you are able to glean from a book like yours. Is that a useful thing in telling the stories of how people have come to faith? I wouldn't do that in the beginning um, because then a Muslim might feel confronted. Uh, I would first start with my relationship with Christ. I would start about Jesus, who Jesus is. But then later in the conversation, it can come up to the point where a Muslim feels, hey, how on earth can I leave Islam? This is impossible. And this is then the moment where it is great to share with him a story of others who have left Islam and came to Jesus and that they understand it is possible. And the Lord is doing this. We as Call of Hope also have booklets which are written for Muslims with such testimonies. I would 
certainly not give uh, a Muslim this book here, God of the Impossible. This is written for Christian. But there are other booklets, small booklets, with uh, one testimony in it, which shows a Muslim very clearly how it is possible to leave Islam and to be a follower of Christ, to be a Christian. The ministry that you lead, Call of Hope, Stefano, uh, when we go to a website, the Call of Hope website, uh, what are we likely to access there? Is it in German language? Is it in English language? Uh, how would we access that from Australia? Yes. Um, you from Australia would uh, probably access the American website. It is callofhopeus.org. And this, of course, is in English. And there you will find a lot of information, a lot of projects, a lot of testimonies, how people also came to the Lord, a lot of possibilities, how you can help with small things like uh, giving a goat to a Muslim, showing the love of Christ through a goat. And uh, children can go to school with the little goat. This goat is giving. Uh, with the money they earn and uh, how they can then see the love of Christ through these goats. All this you can find on callofhopeus.org and certainly it is in English. Well, the book we're talking about today, Stefano Fair's book, uh, Fair spelled F-E-H-R. The book is called God of the Impossible, Stories of Hope from the Muslim World. The co-author is Samuel Naiman. He's in the US. The book is published by Moody Publishers, and no doubt you'll be able to access that from the Call of Hope website, the one that Stefano says, callofhopeus.org. Given we're talking to Stefano from Germany today, unless you can speak German language, go to callofhope.org us.org. The book is God of the Impossible, Stories of Hope from the Muslim World. Stefano, thank you so much for taking some time to share these thoughts with Australian listeners today on 2020. Thank you, Neil, for giving me this wonderful opportunity. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au. 